Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church. This sermon would normally be one in a part of a series we are looking at prayer models through the Old Testament book of Psalms. But today we're preaching a special sermon on missions. It is Generosity Sunday at Pennington AG Church and we are looking at the scope and focus of the mission God has given us. And today I'm gonna be talking about the mission of God being both global and about people. It's global in scale, but the mechanism is people, human one-to-one relationships. That is God's plan for reaching the whole earth. And I'm gonna challenge you with a little Old Testament knowledge. Did you know in Genesis chapter 11 that both the story of the Tower of Babel and our introduction to the patriarch Abraham happen in the same chapter. They feel like two separate worlds, two separate stories, but they happen in the same chapter, Genesis chapter 11. And I think it is appropriate to learn from both of these stories together as they talk about God's global scale, as well as the mechanism or God's means to reach his diverse spread out people. Let's look at both stories. Genesis chapter 11, let's look at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11 verses 1 through 4. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language, and they used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylon, and they settled there. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now let's jump down to the end of the chapter, Genesis 11:31. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. If you're familiar with the biblical story, the Tower of Babel is an ancient Jewish story about humanity coming together to build a huge city or maybe poetically, a large tower into the sky. The tower and the building of this city, theologically in the story, is about the rejection of God's plan to be fruitful and multiply, to spread over the whole globe, to become a diverse people that don't look like each other or sound like each other, to move to the corners of this vast planet that God has created for his people. It's a rejection of that plan. It's no Because of pride, God, we have a better plan. We're going to do it right here. And we're going to rival your power by building our tower into the sky where we believe that you live. And it's also an expression of fear. They don't want to spread out. They don't want to become different. They don't want to move out. They don't want to leave the comfort of the tradition they know, the comfort of people who look like them, sound like them, know themselves. They don't want to take the risk of spreading and becoming diverse. So they stay in one spot. God says, "Uh uh-uh, scatters them, sends them all over the globe. In Abraham, it is a story about God choosing one family as his means for reconciling the world. Through Abram, who becomes Abraham, God will create a family that will reach all throughout the globe, will spread, multiply, influence, and eventually birth the Messiah, God in flesh himself in Jesus Christ, who will come and bring salvation for all mankind through his work on the cross and his resurrection. 
and then he will give his spirit to all mankind to unite us together by his presence and his power. This then looks like the global church we see in the book of Acts that has over 2,000 years spread to every corner of the globe, the planet, every nation, tribe, and tongue, so that one day all of God's creation in their beautiful diversity could be brought back together under the lordship of Christ Jesus. If we look at Genesis 11, and if we add 12, we begin to see the story of Abraham. If we look at it carefully, we can see one of the great biblical themes that reaches all the way from Genesis 1:28, be fruitful and multiply and spread out over the whole globe, all the way to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. All tribes, tongues, and nations gathered together, giving worship to the Son, to the Lamb, to Christ Jesus. And we see one of the major biblical themes that God wants his people to fill the earth with their diverse beauty that comes along with that so that he could gather them back together through loving family relationships. I've been blessed to be able to travel and one of the distinct memories of my life is actually being in Vancouver in Canada on the West Coast. And to me, it feels like a city at the end of the world. Once you go further north from Vancouver, there is nothing until you get to Alaska. Nothing for a thousand miles of bears, trees, wilderness, and snow. And the city feels like that. It feels like some frontier land. It also is one of the largest population of people from the South Pacific outside of Japan and Vietnam and Cambodia and those regions, all in Vancouver. So when you're there, the city really feels like an international global hub at the end of the world. And traveling there, it was cool, it was fun, we got to experience a lot of food that was non-New Jersey pizza. But on Sunday, we decided to go to church. And so we looked one up, we found a church that was there in the city and we're like, let's see what it's like, let's go here and let's worship. The first two songs of worship I had never heard before in my entire life. And I thought like, do they worship different songs, even in worshiping Jesus here on the West Coast? Until they got to the third song of worship, which was, at the time, incredibly popular, King of My Heart. And it's talking about God being the king of all of this, he's good, and then there's the chorus of, you are good, you are good, oh, you are good. And in that moment, the whole room erupted, everybody knew it, I erupted, I knew it, my family who was with me, and there's this moment where I was reminded of even in the vast diversity of our planet and the people surrounded, we are still united in one of what God has created in us and what Christ Jesus has done. And it was a really significant moment for me of being reminded of the size and scope of God and the plan that he has, but also the unifying factor of what we have in Christ Jesus. I've been blessed to be able to worship in churches in South Germany where I didn't speak any of the language and people were asking complicated questions about the politics of the U.S. And I said, I, I don't know, it's all crazy to me. I've been able to worship in Central Mexico and the Dominican Republic where it was in Spanish and I made up my own English words to the Spanish worship songs and to see the beautiful diversity of God's people across the globe and the unity of the relationships that come with. Because I'll be honest, I've only been able to travel and worship around the globe because of the relationships in my life. Because of family who had connections in Germany or lived near Vancouver or friendships and missional partnerships I've had 
that have then led and guided me in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. And I have other relationships still driving me and I have dreams to be in Turkey and in Bolivia and South America and in Eurasia to see God moving across this whole globe. But it happens because of people, because of the relationships we share with one another. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, there's a powerful passage, and if you've gone through growth track and got connected to our church, you've seen this teaching laid out, but I want to review it together. And if you haven't been through growth track, consider this an encouragement. Do it. Get connected. We want to get to know you better. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ talking to his disciples after the resurrection and before the Holy Spirit has been given to the church. This is the birth of the church and the direction of the mission of God's church. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what we mean when we talk about leading people to Jesus. This is the model of how it works. How do we lead people to Jesus? What is the direction we're moving in that? Acts 1.8 tells us it begins by ourselves falling in love with Jesus moving deep into that relationship and being filled with his presence through his spirit present here in the world. And so the Holy Spirit comes on us, we're empowered, we are in love with God, we're filled with joy about who he is and what he's doing. And then it says, in Jerusalem, share about me with our neighbors. We do this through outreach, evangelism in our church body, one-to-one, -one, inviting a friend to a church service, one-to-one, -one, sharing faith in your neighborhood with your coworkers, family, fellow students in your classes, is sharing God in our local neighborhoods. Then it says Judea and Samaria, the nation around. This is where we partner with organizations in New Jersey and around the United States. Campus missionaries to colleges and universities, organizations that help support local communities, as well as church planting initiatives in New Jersey and around the U.S. And then finally, to the ends of the earth. And this is where what we call Global Missions comes in. Our partnerships with more than 20 missionaries around the globe, from Bolivia all the way to Eurasia and Africa and South Asia, to see missionaries working, bringing the gospel there. But we can't do it without the relationships and the people who are important to us. I'm going to review real quickly from Genesis chapter 12 today, God's missional plan being global and being family. The mission of God is global. The mission of God is people. It is one-to-one, -one, his love and relationship with people, his desire to be with them. Let's start by talking about the family of God. The family of God is global. Even as we talk about Abraham, we talk about the Jewish people and their plan through the patriarchs and then Exodus and being set free from Egypt, creating a kingdom under King David, being exiled and the prophets calling them back to who they're supposed to be. Jesus Christ coming in and being God on earth, the promised Messiah to save them, the church then moving and working, bringing us to today. I love our church. I love being in Pennington. I am New Jersey through and through. If you cut me, I don't bleed blood. I bleed marinara sauce. I'm New Jersey through and through. But the mission of God, the church that Jesus has created, is global. And I'm going to briefly walk through a whole bunch of scriptures 
to show us that God's plan has always been to reach every person globally around the earth. Let's start. Genesis chapter 12. We looked at Genesis 11 and Abram gets introduced. In Genesis 12, we see God begin to tell this man, Abram, I have a plan through your life to reach all of my creation, to reach all of my people. Let's dive in. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. God says to Abram, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. Then in Genesis 18, 18, when God's talking to Abram about birthing a family, he says, for Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Genesis 22, 18, we're not done with Abraham's story. It says again, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. And then Genesis 26, verse 4, continuing this family, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all of these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We see the theology that God calls his people, calls them into a relationship with him, blesses them by the very nature of his presence, but God never blesses people to then hoard that blessing. It is always so that. It is always for the purpose of. It is always to continue the blessing of God's presence by inviting others into the process, by stretching and reaching and growing and multiplying. God says to Abraham, because of your obedience, I will bless you and I will give you a great abundant family. Your family will be more than you can count grains of sand on the shore, more than you can count stars in the sky. And to Abram, that may be amazing and huge, but then it says, but it doesn't stop there. The great multiplication of your family will be so that your family can bless this whole world, can reach all of mankind. We see it continue. Exodus chapter 9 verse 16. But I have spared you for a purpose to show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. God's family is now uh, enslaved in Egypt in a foreign land and it's been generations that they've been enslaved and they've kind of given up hope on God's plan for his family. And then he raises up Moses and he says to him, I still have a plan for my family and the plan for my family is still to reach the entire world and the dramatic works I'm going to do, breaking you out of Egypt, bringing 10 plagues, walking you through the seas, triumphing over the desert. All of these works are so that the whole world will get to know me. The whole world will know my character. Continuing, God's people then come into the promised land and they're about to take it back. And God reminds again in Joshua 4, so that the reason you are conquering is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. As the kingdom is ruling and reigning and people are writing poetry and songs about how good God is, in the heart of those songs are songs like Psalm 98 verse 3. To the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. In Isaiah, a prophet, God's people are now suffering and struggling. Isaiah says clearly and boldly in Isaiah 66, 18, for I know their works and their thoughts, 
the time is coming to gather all of the nations and tongues, and they shall see my glory. Even still in suffering, God's people and plan is still to reach the whole earth. Now let's move into the New Testament. Mark 13, 10, Jesus says these words, the gospel must first be preached to all of the nations. You would think a Jewish Messiah coming into Israel itself, working among the Jewish people, would be to raise back up their family and to serve their purpose. And many were disappointed when Jesus said, this isn't just for you. I have come that all of the nations would know my character and my goodness. Every nation would know the gospel message that they were created on purpose, that I love them and they have value, that I have died for their sins, and that my Holy Spirit will give them a plan and a purpose for this earth and for eternity. Continuing, Acts 13, verse 47, God's message to the church. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have appointed you as a light to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 1 John 2, 2, epistle letter. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. God's plan has always been global. The work of God's people has always been global. Even for us as a church in the 21st century, our message and the work of the church is not just our building and not just the community that gathers together on Sundays, but our mission, our call, and the relationship of our church is still global. It's still God's reach for all of his people and all of his creation. From the beginning of God's mission in Genesis 1.27 to be fruitful and multiply and spread throughout the earth, to God's call of Abraham, to the gospel message of Jesus, and to us now, our mission is still global in scale and scope. But how do we reach the global scale and mission? This is where the story of Abraham comes in. While the mission is global, God chooses over and over again this weird inefficient, imperfect mechanism of relationships, of family, of people, of conversation. Let's see how God presents it to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram also said, since you have given me no son, Gone, who has been born in my house, is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one whom will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside, and he said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. The beauty of this passage is we see the size and scope again, looking at the stars, but that the crux of the matter is over Abram being able to have one child, one son, to pass on the story, to pass on the relationship with the God who has called him, to pass on the mission of reaching the whole globe. It is all banking on one person, and it's a one-to-one relationship. This is the crux of the story of the Bible from Adam and Eve 
through to revelation is one relationship to one relationship, a person to a person. The beginning of this belief system about God, about the religion of Yahweh calling people, could have been, Abraham, I want you to spread my message by the sword. I want you to spread my message by the army. We've already actually seen in this passage, Abraham's pretty good at battle and war. He conquers these kings who are there. And it would have been an easy assumption to then say, Abram, take my message to the people by subjugating them, by winning in battle, by taking over. God could have also said, Abram, spread my message by strategic relationships and marry other people's daughters and bring their kingdoms into this message. Or Abram, go and be a prophet and shout from the mountaintop to the wide people my message. But instead, God says, I'm going to do it through your son and I'm going to do it through family and I'm going to do it through relationship. And if you've ever read the Bible, you know that one of the keys is it is slow and it is long and there are long passages of he begat another person, begat another person and we see lineages passed over time. We see family relationships at war with one another. We see relationships built and relationships fail. We see the mess that comes along with it. But God has said over and over again, the mission is about people. It's about the relationships that come from one person to another. I will bless this whole world, God says, and I will do it through individual people relating to other individual people. Jesus then embodies this, challenges it, and teaches this. God doesn't send a miraculous move of the nation of Israel. He sends a person. He sends himself in Jesus Christ. And Jesus chooses the mechanism of 12 other people that he shares life with, that he invests in, that he laughs with and cries with and shares with and heals and empowers. And then he calls them, as we've seen in Acts, to then continue to build relationships, people to people, person to person. In John 15, he teaches this to his disciples and still speaks to us. John 15, starting in verse 12. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a person would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends. This I command you, that you would love one another. We see Jesus reiterate again that the mechanism of this global mission is loving human relationships, investing in one person to another. I had years ago a missionary friend of ours who we love and are so close with, who was talking about getting back onto the mission field and that in order to do that in our tradition in our organization, you need to raise your funds, people need to support you so you can go and become a missionary. That's how we support over 20 different missionaries and over 30 organizations as a small church in New Jersey is they come, we build relationship with them, we financially support them. 
And they said, I hate doing this process of going and, and pitching the mission God's put on my heart. I just wish every church I would go to cared about these people in this nation as much as I do. It just should be automatic. And I said to them, you might not like hearing this, but I don't care about that nation. Not any more than I care about the other hundreds of nations that exist around this world. I don't have a special connection and relationship to those people, to that nation, to that culture. I don't. And I have people all over the world that need the help and impact of our church. The reason I care about that nation is because I care about you and you care deeply about those people. And it's our relationship that gives me a heart for that nation, for that culture, for that community, for that village, because I love you and I know that you love them very deeply. And this is how God has called his church to reach every end of the earth, is through the people he has called us to partner with and care about and love. Our church has the privilege and the legacy and the continued vision to be building these relationships that connect us to our community, our neighbors, our nation, and across the whole globe. And our prayer as a church is that we would continue to build loving relationship with our missionary partners, that they would know they're not alone, that they would know that behind them is the whole community of PAG praying for them, loving them, supporting them, sending them. And our prayer is that God would continue to send us more women and men called to take the gospel message around the world that we could partner with and see the mission of God continue to move forward. When we talk about kingdom builders, this is what we're saying, that leading people to Jesus is global. It's more than just our church walls and our neighborhood, but it is global in scope. And we partner with those who need to hear the loving relationship of Christ Jesus. If you're watching this this morning and you may not have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you yourself a chance to be a part of this mission, to be a part of this family, that you, an individual made in God's image, he has a plan and a call for your life, that he values who you are and wants to know you through Christ Jesus, his son. I'm going to give you a chance to pray a simple prayer today that's one step into that relationship with Jesus, one step of moving into the calling God has for you. If you'll pray this with me today. God, I want to know you and have a relationship with you. I want my life to have purpose and value and meaning. I want to know that you care about me. In Christ Jesus, will you show me the love that you have for my life, the plan and purpose you have for my life? God, I believe that you came to this earth as Christ Jesus, God and man, one in flesh, and that Jesus lived the perfect life. You went to the cross and you died for my sin and shame. You were buried in the ground and on the third day, resurrected, conquered death, freedom from sin, and that by trusting in you, I can have freedom and live eternally with you. You gave your life for me. In this moment, I commit to live my life to follow you. I pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. 
If you wanna be a part of the global mission of connecting with other people around the globe and leading them to Jesus, I encourage you to join us. Check out all of what God is doing through Kingdom Builders and our missional partners, and you can always give to the mission of reaching and leading people to Jesus in Pennington, around our nation, and to the ends of the earth. I invite you to join us, support with us, and walk this journey together. Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church.